Hello, and welcome to the Little Ritual Podcast, the show where we are refreshingly honest about the more esoteric and spiritual aspects of life, death, and everything in between. We will tap into the ancient wisdom of archetypal work like the Enneagram, Astrology, and Ayurveda in a way that is down-to-earth and accessible. We will explore life right behind the veil of what we can see and offer you practical rituals to keep you living with ease and curiosity. I'm your host, Jenna Ocean. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello guys, welcome back to the podcast. I know it's been a while. Listen, I am never going to push myself too hard. That's a lie. I have been doing that this week. (laughs) But I'm trying to learn. So the point is, if you see me a little slow to posting content, it's because I'm trying to take my own medicine and take care of myself and not grind at all. Not grind too hard. But you are in for such a treat. And this, what you're about to listen to, is part one of three of a three-episode series that I'm doing called Astrology 101. And in these episodes, I have a conversation with my good friend Carly, and we go over pretty much everything that you would need to know about astrology and so much more. There's she Carly has so much wisdom about astrology, and we have such a fun time. I can confidently say with no hesitations that this is the best recording that I have for you so far. So definitely, um, I don't know. I'm just so excited to offer this to you. And yeah, grab yourself a drink, get cozy, and buckle in for part one of three. Hello and welcome back to The Little Ritual Podcast, the show where we are honest and open about all things spirituality and life and death. Okay, so here's what's going on today. You are in for a huge treat because today I am talking with my good friend, Carly Belcher, about all things astrology. I'm so excited. Um, But first, what's going on behind the scenes? So I am currently doing a 101 type series. We did Lunar Cycles last Monday. We're doing astrology this week, and there will be a Reiki 101, Ayurveda, and maybe some ancestors and ritual work. So if that tickles your pickle, (laughs) be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss an episode. Okay, also I have three announcements for this week. Number one, I have opportunities for us to gather in person coming up throughout the year. And the only reason that I do any of this work is to create safe and fun communities where you can be your whole self. That said, I have five spots open to go to Mexico with me, with me and a small group for yoga and surf retreat. Um, Those are the activities, but the goal is that you are embraced and get to relax in warm Oaxaca in the winter. And who knows, maybe learn how to surf or make a new friend. Second, on August 12th, I'm hosting Glow in the Dark Yoga to the theme of Mamma Mia. Have you seen Mamma Mia, Carly? Um... Here we go again? No, the first one. No. That, but you've seen the second one? Yes. Oh. Okay, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> anyway, this is based on the first one, but same idea. It's two hours of yoga, a super long shavasana with Reiki, and snacks, and new friends. Bonus is that you can wear literally whatever you want and take sick blacklight pictures with my disco ball. That is not an innuendo. I literally have a disco ball. And I want you to be the dancing queen next to it. That will be August 12th, 6 to 8 p.m. at Symmetry Yoga Studio in Newmarket. Tickets and details are linked in my Instagram or can be found at my website, joyplay.org. And finally, my conversation with Sarah Jane Case on her show, Enneagram and Coffee, will be live this Friday, August 4th. So this is a really exciting convo. We talk about the the commonalities and differences between Enneagram and astrology. So be sure to check that out on her show. Okay, that's all my announcements. Hello, Carly. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jenna. (laughs) Okay, so Carly, for those of you that don't know, is um, 
a professional money person. <laughs> I that's not true. <laughs> okay, Carly, l- let me try this a different way. Um, how would you introduce yourself at a quaint but inviting get together? Like someone is cool and you're introducing yourself. Um, that is generally not my strong suit. I avoid it at all costs. Um, I, um, what is, what is the heart of your question here? Hi. Who are you? I'm Carly. (laughs) I, um, I work at a bank, but would happily run away and join the circus if I had any practical skills for it. Is there a preferred, like, circus act? Or just anything? Anything just to that I could it. do. Yeah. Nice. If I could do any of it. I love that. So you work at the bank, and can you tell people a little bit about how you and I met? Um, I met you working at um, the, the craft coffee shop that um, we both worked at for a spell. Um on Sundays and the first thing you said to me was guess my zodiac sign uh to which I said I hate this game and um we've been fast friends ever since we have that's so true and then I guessed I guessed pretty accurately to your chart yeah that day you did I was proud of that okay um I feel like you definitely were, there's so much more that could be said about you than that you work at a bank, but the running away to go to the circus, I think captures, um, the heart of your personality pretty well. Yeah. Do you have any happy places? Places you like to go? Happy places. Um, I like to dip my body in a body of water. That's a happy place. Um, preferably the ocean, just cause I get weird about muck by my feet. Is it the animals or the feeling? The uh, it's both. Yeah. Um, it is very much both. Um, I like the assuredness of just like rock and sand. And like, are there animals there? Sure. Is there a, a incalculable number number of dead bodies? Yes. But like, we're happy. We're safe. It's the mother. You know what I mean? It's the clear ocean. too. Right. Nothing's really More hidden less. for the most part. Yeah. I get that. Um, whereas ponds and lakes and I don't like still water, I think is what I'm trying to say. I don't mm. like still water. I like the water to be moving. I feel like that reaches deep mm. and we, and that maybe that'll come up. Like I'm going to put that in my pocket for astrology. Okay. <clears throat> That's it. Cause that made me think of Scorpio, but mm. we'll, we'll get back to that. Okay. okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey with astrology if you will when you started sure i i started um sort of delving into astrology in my in my early 20s like 19 or 20 years old which would be approximately 10 years ago um and i grew up in a very christian sort of setting in household so it was it was always something that i was interested in actually the first time that I was introduced to astrology. I was in the fourth grade in the elementary school library. They had a book, a little golden pop-up book about palm reading and astrology and tarot and yada yada. Do you remember what it was called? I don't. Because I had a very similar experience in fourth grade. It was like, it was, it was one of those for like the Egyptology books. Do you remember those where they're like lush and like they're pop-up-y and golden and it was like along that sort of there was Egyptology dragonology and it was in the same sort of vein as that Mm -hmm. um it was smaller in size um dimensionally but I snuck that out of my elementary school library because um I wasn't allowed to have it and I kept it in my closet my bedroom closet for Quite a while, and that is the, that's where I first learned that I was a Sagittarius. Can I ask a question about that? Yes. 
how did you know that that wouldn't be allowed? Like, had you already tried, like, dabbled with astrology, or did you just have a sense from the way of things? Um, hard to say. I will say this. I, I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter growing up. Okay. So it was made very clear that, like, witchy stuff... Yeah, like if Harry Potter was not, allowed, not you, you probably cool can't have in my household. Yeah, <laughs> the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Lying right. Around. Actually, I could get away with Egyptology. Really? Because mm-hmm. it was like right, and I could get away with like myths and legends. Um, one of my I'm so sorry. It's okay. I was one, of my, <laughs> one of my favorite um movies growing up um was the Disney animated Hercules, which my my mother worked nights, my dad worked mornings, and his way of sort of watching me was to get into bed and put on a movie, and the movie would be my babysitter, which, you know, whatever. Um, do my sisters and I joke about how the TV raised me? Yes. yes. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and every other night I got to pick versus he got to pick, and every single night I would pick Disney Animated, Disney animated Hercules, which I found out recently my mother had never watched before. Yeah. So I made her sit down and watch it with me, like, last month. <laughs> and awesome. she cried um, because she did not realize... Um, that she was allowing me to fill my head with false gods. That's why she cried? <laughs> and because she didn't know how much the movie meant to me, so it said something about... Um, all of it. There's a lot to I th- unpack there. Yeah. 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 I thought that was going a totally nope. different way. <laughs> <laughs> so you were little, you were drawn to astrology, yes. but you weren't allowed to watch it, uh, raised by TV, etc. At what point, there had to have come a point where you just let yourself. Yeah. So when I was um, 19 years old, I got my first apartment um, with a friend and we had gone to a coffee shop. And Danielle. They, Danielle. Shout out Danielle. <laughs> and we had gone to a, a coffee shop that was also a used bookstore and they had on display this beautiful, absolutely stunning collection of astrology books from the mid 1700s by Alan Leo. It was like a 10 cent volume. Um, and I wish that I had had more money at the time because I... I think I bought two books and Danielle bought one book and we sort of split them. Um, and that was my introduction to it. Um, but yeah, ever since I got my hands on those, um, it really became um, a much bigger part of my life. And, and one of my favorite ways to think about and learn about astrology is just by asking people questions and sort of drawing my own parallels between um, the signs, I guess. Yeah. I think that that is something I've learned or like picked up from you. I didn't quite have the language for it because it's almost like yeah, asking questions and drawing observations, I guess, is a good way of describing it. So you're very much self-taught yes. with astrology. Have you ever taken any, like... I know at one point you did draw people's charts for them. I did. Um, in, in my early 20s, I would um, do people's charts or, like, do astrological readings and stuff like that. Um, I don't... It was short-lived. I made business cards. And then I said, that's good enough for me. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's all very... I get myself into trouble with it a little bit sometimes because I will ask people questions for research. And I try to be pretty upfront, be like, there's nothing behind this question. I mean nothing by it. I'm just conducting research. Like when you ask men with Aries moons if their mothers are selfish. Yes. And I'm guessing they don't take that very well sometimes. Um, only that one time <laughs> did anyone take offense to it. <laughs> Everyone else I've asked, and I have continued to ask that question. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't stop you. Because um, I'm curious. 
Uh, yeah. Hmm. So, but how else are you supposed to learn if you don't, if you can't ask questions? I have no idea. How would you say that you use astrology now? And you said a little bit of making observations. Is it something that is a curiosity for you? Um, do you use it in any professional context? What is that like? Um, I mostly use it as a tool to relate to people. Um, I can be, um, like pretty cold or judgmental right off the bat. I struggle with, um, the people around me, but once I can sort of suss out their astrological chart or any sort of, um, that information, it helps me empathize with them a lot more to be like, okay, you know, this might be the motivation of that versus how it's coming off. Um, and it just lets me deal with and understand people. And I, I do that, you know, every day. Because yeah. it's, a, it's a lot easier to be patient with someone if you know what their strengths are, if you know what their weaknesses are, if you know, you know, sort of the parameters at which you can reasonably re expect them to engage with you. <clears throat> I completely agree. And I also feel with what you're saying that astrology almost creates a healthy distance too. Mm. Like it is too uncomfortable with people that you're not going to have a lifelong relationship with or people that I'll stick with like everyday yeah. examples to try to understand that person in some meaningful way. Mm -hmm with anything like too deep, like trauma or all their past relationships. But if you can even just know a little bit of their chart, it gives, it like puts the, like a veil of a astrological language. Right. But does that make sense? Absolutely. Like between you and like the depth of another person, which is extremely vulnerable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Tell us about your chart. So I am um, mostly Sagittarius, um, but my um, big three, which is a, a talking point for us later. Um, nice. <laughs> we have notes, everybody. Casual This drop. isn't just, I don't know. This isn't, I don't know where I'm going with that. Just We're continue. professionals. We're professionals. Um, so I have a Sagittarius moon. A Capricorn rising and a... No, what did no. I say? I was like, this is wrong. Edit this out. Unbelievable. <laughs> I have a Sagittarius sun. Do you wish you had a Sagittarius moon? No. Okay, I don't either. No. Continue. Oh, God, can you imagine? No. Be insufferable. <laughs> um, uh, set, I have a... Start over. <laughs> okay. So I have a Sagittarius sun... A Capricorn rising and a Virgo moon. Um, do you want the rest of my Whatever planets? seems significant. You don't need to tell us Uranus or the outer planets if okay. you don't want, unless that's meaningful to you. Um, uh, my Mercury, Venus, and Mars are all in Sagittarius, so that's why I say I'm mostly Sag. Um, There's a word for that, right? It's a stellium. Stellium. Which... A uh, stellium is having multiple planets or placements within a certain number of degrees of each other. Um, so I think it's three or more. And I think I have three inside the stellium, and then I have one that's sort of an offlier that's still in Sagittarius, but mm. not technically close enough to gotcha. be part of it. But it's super influential. Yes. So what is that, do you draw any meaning from the fact that you have all of that Sagittarius? Like, how does that show up for you? Um, I feel it most in the conflict between <coughs> that large amount of Sag and my two very dominant Earth signs, um, which is my rising and my moon. Daddy so, Cap. Yes. So how I 
you know, present myself and how I break things down is all very earth-based, very practical, very grounded, whereas Sagittarius just wants to run away and join the circus. Um, <laughs> and Capricorn wants to work at the bank. And Capricorn and Virgo is just like, let's figure this out practically. Mm. Let's get our hands on this. Okay, that that was really funny. You can't see this, but... I had told Carly to move her hands away, <laughs> and as she was talking about Capricorn having their hands on this, she had to move her hands. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're both Sagittarians, so you're not getting any diversity within this <laughs> But podcast. it sure is going to be fun. But it's going to be a good time <laughs> if you haven't grabbed yourself some gin <laughs> or mead. We're sipping mead and ginger beer over here, so do that if you want. Anyway, okay, so that seems like an important spot for me to mention my, what, what would I call this? Not like a warning, but I want to let people know. You can tell me what this is after I say it. Okay. We're not professional astrologers. <laughs> what is that? It's not a warning. It's a disclaimer. Disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer. We are not professional astrologers. We are baristas. Just kidding. Carly works at the bank. I, what do I do? I do this. We're just people doing people people things. Exactly. And I just, I really wanted to have you on the podcast because for me in my life, you are the most knowledgeable person that I know. Thanks. About astrology and many other things. Um, I am excited to be here because you're one of my favorite people to talk about astrology with. I love that. Remember when we saw The Little Mermaid recently? I do. I do want to briefly talk about that. <laughs> it's not on the agenda. I didn't plan for it. So it's on my... I actually... <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you sent me a, an abridged agenda? Y- yeah. Because I, because I didn't want to... Overwhelm you. Yeah. You... Tell me you wouldn't be overwhelmed if you saw six pages of notes. What? There's not... Is there six... Did you... Do, oh my... Okay. Carry on, my wayward son. I have to create a... Cont- I need to mm. be able... I would get... Yes. I would get lost. I, I would have no I idea. Yeah. yeah. You're chilling. We're You're... just a couple of horses. Butt and thighs. Butt and thighs. <laughs> I'm not even going to explain that. Uh, so, <laughs> Carly and I recently went to the theater to watch the live-action Little Mermaid. Saying that back sounds way less cool than the experience of it. Let's you got to you got to frame it correctly. It was yeah. it was the Sagittarius full moon. It was? It was. Did so we talk it was about June. that? I think on the way home on the highway we said, "Oh, look at that full moon." I said, "Oh, I think it's in Sagittarius because we're in Gemini right now." And then we said, "What a lovely time." Um because we got together, I got into your car and we drove to a um fantastic a Latin Japanese fusion <laughs> restaurant which is among the most Sagittarian kinds. <laughs> Can you tell me about the fish? There was a f- there was a fish. We ordered a fried fish. We expected a lovely fried fish, maybe for it to be whole. <laughs> sure. But um, it came head, tail, fins, the whole spectrum, and um, it didn't come, um, you know, prostrate on a plate as one would expect, but instead upright um, on a pole. Impaled. Impaled, as it were. Um, And we asked the waitstaff to help us. To help us, because we had no idea how to tackle the beast that we had summoned and they removed it from the pit from the uh, pole which was jarring in and of itself and i will say they were very kind absolutely they were however mm-hmm. the first two times i asked they were like you just eat the fish right like what i don't know how to help and i'll you. tell you right now <laughs> if they hadn't taken it off the pole would have i wouldn't have <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't either we would have been scraping up right. the side of the fish yeah that's good context. So it was Sagittarius full moon. We had a delicious dinner together. We ate ceviche mm. and a whole fried fish. And then we said, let's go under the sea. And we did. And it was really fun. Mm. And for that entire movie, <clears throat> just to give you an idea of how annoying I am about astrology and how I use it in my everyday life, we 
Would, is we fair? You were part of it. Mm. I believe you initiated the conversation about Eric, but... Hard to say. Neither here. It might have been me. <laughs> Basically, the whole time, we were astrolog... We were guessing... Not guessing. We were deciding the zodiac signs of each character. We were feeling them out as they presented different facets yeah. of themselves. And that was actually really fun. A lot of fun. Although I think that there did hit a point where you... You did get annoyed with me, and I think it's when I started typing the bird, <laughs> the seagull. Uh, the first, the first time you were playing around with the bird, I was totally on board, totally happy with it. Scuttle deserves it. Scuttle. Um. But when you when you nudged me the fifth or sixth time to be like, no, 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 let's talk about this bird, <laughs> is maybe when you might have begun to send some annoyance on my part. Which is... But I had a lovely time. <laughs> and, I mean, that's amazing that you lasted through six Scuttle references. That's... That's why... That's part, why we're friends. Yeah. There's no one else in my life that I could have leaned over six times trying to guess <laughs> the uh, moon <laughs> sign for Scuttle in little, live action Little Mermaid that would continue to sit next to me. Yeah, lovely time. Lovely time. The way, other ways that I use astrology in my everyday life, just to give context, besides typing scuttle mm. and mm -hmm. just having fun with it. I, that is actually a big part of how I use astrology is that I feel that it makes my life more engaging and more mm. fun. Yeah. It's like I get to put on goggles. Yes. And explore the world in a different lens. Yes. Absolutely. Because I often think that I need to be, or I resist the urge that it has to be this serious thing to get right. Yeah. I think it's just, for mostly in my life, it's just fun. Yeah. Um, and kind of shocking at how accurate it is a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. Other than that, I do use it professionally. I use it in Reiki sessions. Mm. I find it can be really empowering for people to have a new language to describe the more indescribable things. Yeah. I've had multiple Virgo moons on my bed that didn't know they were Virgo moons or like, oh my God. <laughs> well, maybe that actually made me love too. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> In both ways. <laughs> I have had... A cheeky little wink. A cheeky little <laughs> wink is what Carly gave me when I said I had Virgo moons on my bed. That's fair. I've on had, your Reiki bed. I've your had, massage yes, bed. Yeah. I've had many clients with Virgo. That sounds, that's not actually totally accurate because a lot of these people are my friends now. But you know, that vague line between client and friends yeah. who are Virgo moons. And the reason that I point them out is because you know, Carly, like what a big placement that is and hard placement. Yes. And... I've had them discover or match that language for the first time in Reiki sessions. Mm -hmm. And that's been really cool. So my favorite way to look at astrology um, is to view it as just another language that like has its own rules. It has its own sort of connections and it just gives you a, a different, a different language to, you know, describe things or different sort of archetype to, to work towards if you're doing that sort of work. Um, and it, it's, it's a really lovely, um, way to put the world into words, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to read Miriam Webster's definition for astrology. Mm. And if you have anything to add to it, you can. Okay. There are so many definitions for astrology online, but I actually found that the dictionary had the most straightforward one. Astrology is the study of the movements and relative positions of celestial bodies interpreted as having an influence on human affairs and the natural world. Yeah. Sure. Anything to add? Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Cool. Carly, do you mind if I give a little bit of background to astrology? Oh, go for it. Cool. Okay, so... So, actually, before I did my... Before I recorded my podcast with Sarah Jane Case, 
sorry, Carly, I'm not even going to say it. Um, about astrology and the Enneagram, I wanted to make sure I was like up to par. Yeah. As one would. Because I don't know if other people obsess over this type of thing, but I do want to know, I've always wanted to know the origins of astrology, but I've also never needed to know. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, Hmm. I've just always trusted it. Which, right. You know, could be for better, better or worse, but I just have. I've seen it. I've had no reason for myself to need to prove it. Right. But I learned, I, I, and I thought that looking up the history would just add a layer. And I was actually surprised by how much, how deep it went and how sort of, legit it is yeah like i didn't know that the ancient mesopotamians babylonians they had a complex system for Mm -hmm. understanding it wasn't just like you know i don't know this star and that star like they had a complex system of astrology that dates back like way way long like first civilization correct type of thing i had no idea about that and i think that's amazing and beyond that because i hear a lot of talk about how modern astrology, and this has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe you feel differently, but I've heard a lot of this sentiment that modern astrology focused focuses on the individual, but ancient astrology never did that. Have you heard that type of thing? I haven't really. Okay. Well, no. it's not true. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. So great. <laughs> Didn't even need to look that up. Um, So I heard actually in a podcast with Chris Brennan on his astrology podcast, and then I looked it up, the earliest natal charts Mm -hmm. date back to four, the earliest one we can find dates back to 410 BCE. Kind of cool. Pretty cool. So that means that at least that far back, humans were using astrology not just to understand the celestial movements in terms of societal changes and how they'd be affected, but actual individuals on the moment that they were born that the sky would reflect something of their path and personality right pretty cool very cool beyond so if we talk about like modern versus what would the opposite ancient or classical sure astrology you might know more about this than me but my understanding is that when people talk about modern astrology, of course, they're also involving the outer planets that mm-hmm. we didn't have um, instruments to right. see. And then beyond that, I guess that some people mix modern astrology with like pop astrology of horoscopes mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Do yeah. you have any other understanding of the difference between modern and ancient? Um so I will say on the on the point of, you know, modern astrology using planets that weren't discovered at the time of, of older um, astrology, like, um, yeah, um, traditionally, we're even now in 2023, we're in a spot where like, we're sort of waiting for a planet and I think that that sounds kind of moo juju but um so virgo yes i knew you were gonna go this way <laughs> continue continue um the planetary ruler of virgo is mercury um which is also the planetary ruler of gemini um but in reality um the planetary ruler of virgo is panhorus which is not a planet that we have yet um or, you know, a body that we've discovered and have a name for. Just to clarify that, mm-hmm. does that mean that the ancient astrologers looked to the skies mm-hmm. and for Virgo said Panhorus is its ruling planet? Uh, yes. I mean, so uh, especially in the in the Alan Leo books mm-hmm. that um, are from the 1700s, so not ancient, but older, Um I'm struggling to remember if he has Pluto placements in those books, I'll be honest with you. But I think he does. But um, it it names the, you know, arrival sounds like the wrong word. The discovery of 
another body that is the the more accurate planetary ruler of Virgo. Where Virgo, you know, does have Mercury characteristics. It is it is a talker. It, it thinks by talking it. Um, you know, it, it Mercury works as a planetary ruler, but it's almost like a placeholder. Yeah. Until we have a we have a face to the name of Panhorus. That's pretty intriguing, especially for Virgo. Right. I almost feel, I kind of feel for Virgos in general, because that almost feels so right for that sign. Like, I feel like there's a striving and like an unknow, unknowability. And the fact that even its planet is halfway known. Right. Is, I don't really know. I don't, don't know what to say about that. It just feels fitting. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting. We'll get back to planets as we move forward, for sure. I want to share two weird historical things. You may know these. Oh, wait, I just had two thoughts. But, okay, so this is just ways that in um, pop culture or culture that astrology has been used. Mm. So did you know that the Reagan administration had an official astrologer, Joan Cecil Quigley? Ooh. She died in 2014, <clears throat> and she actually helped him pick dates for campaigns and speeches. Interesting. Isn't that weird that the Reagan administration, mm. of all administrations, interesting. maybe other ones had it too, but this people were outraged about the fact that he had an astrologer on right. staff. Um, I mean, I do find it incredibly baller um but i wish it weren't reagan but i mean he was a movie star i i don't know like it doesn't shock me that exactly it wouldn't shock me that he would be acquainted with that um but interesting and then the next one and this is allegedly i don't know if I don't know if we can prove this, but hmm. Teddy Roosevelt had his astrology chart mounted in the Oval Office. Oh, I'm office. sure he did. <clears throat> yeah. Teddy? Teddy? Come on. Teddy. <laughs> okay, what is a natal chart? I can either... We're just going to talk about that next. Is um, Sorry, that was a really bad transition. Up next. Natal chart. Up next. What is a natal chart? Because I mentioned that the earliest one was found to be in 410 BCE that we can find. So, a natal chart... AKA birth, a birth chart, birth chart, astrology chart, a map of the sky on the moment you were born, the planetary placements and where the planets were, which help me out with this. It's which Zodiac signs they were passing through right on the moment you were born. Uh, yeah. The position of the planets through the signs at the, at the time of birth. Yes, and this is a big deal in understanding of astrology. Yes. Yes. Um, could you talk a little bit about, where should we start with natal chart? Big three? Um, do you want the big three first, or do you want like a basic breakdown of like what is comprised in a natal chart? That sounds good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a basic natal chart um, is... So it's made out of, of 24 placements. Um, you have your planets um, and your celestial bodies on one side. There's 12 of them. And then there are also 12 houses. The 12 planets are all very personal. They're all sort of, you know, it's it's nature versus nurture. Um, so the planets are all very um, nature-wise. It's sort of ingrained in you. It's, it's you in a dark room on your own. Whereas the houses sort of reflect more environmentally. Mm. And how, and it's all interacting with each other all at the same time to create different aspects and relationships and yada, yada, yada. I've heard an analogy that if our lives are like a a play, Mm -hmm. that, I hope I get this right, the planets are the characters in Mm -hmm. the scene, and then the houses are the set. That sounds great. Yeah. Are we having a drama? Is this a family event? Is this a career play, you know, for each planet type right. of thing? Absolutely. 
Um, so, you know, of those 24 signs, you know, you have the, the slower moving planets, which um, are near the bottom and are more generational um, because they're slower moving. Jup Jupiter, is Jupiter included? That's an iffy one, well, right? So Jupiter and Saturn are, uh, uh, I go the, back and forth yeah. on. But at the very least, Uranus. Neptune, Pluto. Neptune, Pluto. Okay. Um, they all take, you know, years to sort of move through a sign. So you're going to have these clusters of people mm -hmm. who, you know, if you're born at a, in a certain time period, you're all going to have the same sort of relationship with that planet in the sign. Um, but so of those, you have what is then referred to as your big three, which is like the predominant factors of of your you know basic outward personality it's it's like a a snapshot of your whole chart mm -hmm. um and that is your sun sign your moon and your rising so your rising is a house it's the first um house of a chart it's literally in the moment when you took your first breath right as it were what Sign was coming over the horizon. Coming right over the horizon. Mm -hmm. So for you, that would be Capricorn. Capricorn. For me, Gemini was brimming right over the horizon. So I feel like in getting to know astrology, at least for most people, mm -hmm. it seems like it goes in this order. You can correct me if you think it's different, but people know their sun sign because mm -hmm. that's just really readily accessible. Yeah. I think it still is. When yeah. I was growing up, everyone knew it type of thing. And then I feel like beyond that, you learn your big three. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, you might learn all of your inner planets, Mars, Mercury, Venus, mm -hmm. Jupiter, Saturn. <laughs> and then the, a layer deeper would be learning outer planets, houses, that type of thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would say that there is sort of the caveat that I agree with you, sun sign first, then big three. And then I think the rest can all sort of come in at a wash. Because if you're looking at the rest of it, you're curious enough that you're going to be looking at the different parts of it and trying to figure out what they mean sort of simultaneously. Right. Does like that... you're saying, I see what you're saying, where it's like it wouldn't necessarily be so rigid. As someone learns their big three, they're going to be curious about Mercury and Mars because right. they communicate. They talk to each other. Right. And then you start with, you know, that basic understanding and then, you know, go from there and delve into the different relationships and houses and... And then you go way off the deep end with, like, historical it. events and serial killers. Yes. And all the mutable all of it. serial killers that yes. exist. <laughs> We'll actually get to that, or maybe not. Is it on the you agenda? Just leave that. I have a note for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, walk us through big three if you want. To, after you've taken your sip, because small I, sip. I think we both need a sip. Small sip, big three. Um, so it's your rising sign, your sun sign, your moon sign. Um, early on in my astrological career, I'm using career lightly. Journey. Who knows. Um, early on, I sort of um, uh, developed the metaphor of an apple, where your rising sign is like the skin of the apple. Um, it's how the world knows what kind of apple you are. It's how you present yourself to the world. Red delicious. It's Gemini. Absolutely. It's that... Mm, I, I That wasn't... Hmm. I know. It'd be green, maybe. We'll I'd move on. Anyways. <laughs> would you say that would be green? I actually need to know. Would you say that Gemini rising would be a green it's Granny It's going to be it's going to be something very tart. It's either a Granny Smith or a Pink Lady and I'm dancing back and forth. At least you didn't trying say to think crab about apple. It. That's Can, bitter. Continue. That's Capricorn. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, am I? Anyways. Not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's how the world perceives you. It's it's that sort of most that first most superficial layer of your personality. Um, your sun sign is like the flesh of the apple. It's the, the sort of core of your being. It's your heart. It's your, you know, innate basic nature. Um, and then your moon sign is like the core of the apple. It holds all the seeds. Hmm. Um, it's where you, you know, process all of your thoughts and emotions. Um, it 
is sort of like the inner workings, um, stress, trauma. Um, in traditional astrology, it points to the relationship <laughs> with the mother. Um, I like the seed analogy for that reason. Right. Because, I mean, who's in a traditional, whatever, who's teaching you how to process emotions? It's normally a maternal figure, whatever that means. And meeting your basic needs. And meeting your basic needs. And how needs. to do that, yeah. Right. Um, so it does, it does point to that, which is um, something that Alan Leo goes into quite a bit, um, and that I have tried to begin exploring anecdotally with people, which sometimes gets me into <laughs> trouble. But I think it's fun to think about at the at the very least. I'm not big on predestination, but I think it's a fun worm to chase. Yes, and that kind of lands on the note of something we've talked about, which is I think both of us prefer to use astrology in descriptive ways rather than predictive as far yeah. as events and that type of thing. Yes. Absolutely. Or even reflective, fine. Mm-hmm. But would you agree with that, that we... Absolutely. Both, yeah. Don't really like to use it predictively. Yeah. Yeah. I like that analogy of the apple. Thanks. And I speci- I really like it, actually, for a couple <laughs> reasons. One is, like, I think that it captures rising signs so much better than the thing that I hear in pop astrology, which is that it's a mask. I don't mm. like that language. Right. Because... I think that that makes it seem like it's something you could toss in the back of your car and then grab at a party. Right. But your your ascendant is a huge, intricate part of yourself. Yes. Innate part of yourself is what I was trying to say. Not something that you just whip on or off. Right. I do like to think of it, though, as, you know, I used to be a bartender. Um, and with alcohol yeah, or did. any sort of loosey-goosey... Ness, they, you know, talk about your, your inhibitions and, and letting go. And I do think that, <coughs> you know, when you get drunk or intoxicated or what have you, that you sort of do peel back those layers. I remember you saying that. Yeah. So, oh. so when I'm drunk, more of the Sagittarius comes out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Less of that hard Capricorn stop and more of the let's run away together. I wonder if especially, if this is especially true for you, because Capricorn rising is such a sturdy could be placement. Mm. Because I feel like my Gemini just gets heated. Oh, I feel like my Gemini, when I get intoxicated or anything like that, mm. gets heated up. And, like, melded together with Sagittarius so that yeah. I'm, like, punching people in the face with, like, air fire. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, your moon is also air. So, like, it could be, like, you're a whole melting pot of of forest fire. Like Yeah, that's a kind way of putting it. <laughs> um, yeah, you're just an unstoppable blaze. Thank you. That was what they called me in high school. Just kidding. They didn't call me anything. <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> called me Jenna. <laughs> unless I, unless, I don't know what this says about me, unless I made up a nickname and then seeded it into conversation sure, sure, sure. and then Just my very friends. casually. That's and then how my, they started calling me the big tomato. <laughs> That's also not true. <laughs> Dang it. Some that are true for me is... Having my, one of my best friends called me Maverick and me call her Goose. Okay, that checks out God. quite a bit. Yeah. Insufferable. And then Jaybird is one, I have to say my mom started that one, so I, okay. and then I picked it up. And now when I'm talking to myself, especially in athletic things, because I am always moving. Sure. Yeah. Intensely. Yes. I have shortened Jaybird to Jabes. Okay. So it's like, come on, Jabes. Sure. And then sometimes that's followed with, don't be a bitch. <laughs> um, I talk to Carl like that a lot too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jabes and Carl are here for the interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, Carl is a nickname that I that I very much gave myself. It's perfect though. Yeah. 
it chose you. As I feel that Jaybird is quite good for me. I agree. Considering all the air. All the air. Okay, I'm going to run through the inner planets like rapid fire. And if I miss things, sure. just yes. let me know. So inner planets are Mercury, Mars, Venus, maybe Jupiter, Saturn. Mercury, communication, technology. Expression. Expression. Intellect. Cool. Mars. Mars is, I think, maybe a little bit misunderstood because mm. I think... How I used to think of it was how you aggress mm. or wage war. Sure. Because of the Roman right. mythology, which lines up. But it's more about how you move forward, correct? And like how you take action. How do you deal with intensity? Um, I like to view it as um, um, anger, sex, action, and conflict. Mm. So, like, all those sort of... It is very forward-moving, because I think that Mars is a, a plunge-ahead sort of movement. Aries is very... Yeah. Aries is very Mars in that way. Um, but I agree I that, that I think that most people get um, caught up in the conflict and the sex part of it. Yeah. And less about just action. Action, yeah. It's so red. As you say all of those words. Right. It it just paints this, it's so blood red. And I'm, I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad that you said Mars like the Roman god because all the planets do tie into, I'm, I'm, I like a, a mythology a lot. All the planets tie into, you know, their, their mythological rulers. So Mercury is, is the Greek god Hermes. So he was the messenger of the god. So he's all about, he's got flighted feet. He moves quick. He's all about expression and communication. Yeah, yeah. same thing with Mars as the god of war. Mm. Um, leading into Venus. Venus. Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Yeah. Love, harmony, beauty. Bedrooms and gardens. Bedrooms and gardens, baby. <laughs> I think something I've started thinking of for Venus, too, is how do you attach mm, that's fun. to people? Yeah. And maybe yourself. Maybe there's a little bit of self there. Yeah. Mixed with sun. Yeah. Any, so those are the inner planets. Outer planets. So like Carly was saying, these are also can be called the generational planets. And I'm going to add Jupiter and Saturn in, even though those are the fastest moving of the outer yeah, they're in a sign for, like, maybe a year. Oh, really? Yeah, a year, maybe two years. They sort of dip back and forth. Hmm. They are sort of quicker moving, but yeah. they are a longer span of time. Okay, gotcha. And then the other ones take 7 to 15, right? Right, Pretty yeah. Much. Okay, so Jupiter and Saturn, that, that one might be a little... We'll toss that in there, but we're mostly talking about Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto, and those planets are a little bit less personal to you, but they will be reflective of how your generation processes certain things. Yeah. So Jupiter rules over... Jupiter, I always just think of expansion. Yes. How do you expand? Mm -hmm. Rules over wisdom, adventure, the desire for knowledge. I would tie in... It's very Jupiter the theology and mm -hmm. anything that's grasping beyond feels very Jupiter to me. Um, Jupiter, I like to think of as like a forehead kiss. It is something that just like smiles upon you. It's mm -hmm. something that comes supernaturally that you experience great grace and success in. Um, it's no, it's traditionally one of the positive planets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's where your, your luck and your fortune comes in. Um, it's, um... Yeah. Forehead kiss. It's a forehead kiss. I like that. Also, if you guys are hearing noise, we live in a the bottom floor of an apartment. And at some point, Nick will come back because it's also his home. So, you know, we'll roll with it. Okay, so beyond Jupiter, so we've got Saturn, which feels like mirror opposite. The opposite. Yeah, because we've got structure, mm -hmm. discipline. Would we say rules, or is this yeah. just rules and rigidity type of thing? It's it's boundaries. 
bound. Okay. It's, um, it is big on rule. So Jupiter, um, the mythological tie-in is Zeus. So he's, you know, God of plenty. I didn't know that. He's, he's doing his own damn thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let Zeus smile upon I'm you. Like, <laughs> I really had to bite my tongue. Anyways, <laughs> that's sweet, sweet golden rain. Anyways, um, his seed was scattered. Continue. Uh, whereas Saturn, the mythological tie-in is Kronos. So you've got you've got this concept of time. You've got this concept of of um, stark patriarchal limits and boundaries. Yep. And, um, it's not the opposite of expansion because it doesn't suck back in, but it is very much a firm line. Does that? Totally makes sense. Yeah. It also reminded me recently, I saw this post about Kronos versus Kairos. Yes. You know what I'm, yeah, where Kronos is that marked set of time passing mm -hmm. and Kairos is or Kiros is the experience of time expanding. Mm -hmm. So Saturn is very when you said Kronos and you said it mentioned time, I just think of how in this context it's not the sense of time expanding and enjoying. It's like time is almost it's limited and right. we must follow along yes. the forward path there there is and i'm i'm grasping a little bit here um but i think chronos is also like the the god of doorways and like in between spaces Ooh. yeah um so there is it's like it's a it's a fence with a gate that you have to find and he rules the gate too he just doesn't rule beyond it that is interesting Something, something to, 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 um, tasty morsel. Also something that we'll talk about is that each, each zodiac sign has a planetary ruler. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the same way that I just, I mean, they're all so accurate. Like Aries and Mars feels so right in the same way Saturn and Capricorn feels very fitting when you, even when you talk about a doorway. Like, it's all rigid, but there's... I'm kind yeah. of, like, just ad-libbing here, but... Yeah. My experience with Capricorns is that there is a sort of... There's always an in type of thing, or an out. I... Th um, I think a fun morsel to chew on is Saturn as the ruler of both Capricorn and Aquarius. Hmm. And In the ancient sense for Aquarius. And what that sort of... The different signs of Saturn that it brings to each sign. I like that. We'll put a pin in that. Put a pin in it. Pinned. So we went through Saturn, Neptune, dreams, um, spiritual enlightenment, mysterious, esoteric. Yeah. That's the modern, um, shoot, no. Is that the modern placement for... Yes, that's the modern astrology pl astrological placement for Pisces mm -hmm. when we get to that. Uranus rules indiv individuality and revolution. It's what, And again, we're in the generational planet, so thinking a little more broad here. It's what makes your generation stand out, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively, but it's yeah. what sets you apart. Yes. I keep looking to Carly like, <laughs> please affirm what I'm saying. <laughs> Pluto... I, why do I feel like you love Pluto? Is that <laughs> not that you like love a planet, but the underworld? I do. I do love Pluto. <laughs> I love everything about Pluto. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me what you love about it. <laughs> what, I'll tell you. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you anything like, you want to know in like a short sound bit because I'm just gonna make this two two episodes <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um. So Pluto. Um. Mythological tie-in Hades, numeral numerological tie-in. Um, it's represented by the number zero. Oh, damn. Okay, close though. Yeah. Um, it's the number zero, and the number zero captures the energy of Ouroboros, 
which is the snake eating its own tail. She's pointing to the tattoo <laughs> of Ouroboros <laughs> on her forearm right now. She um, lives and breathes this shit. So it's this, it's this consuming and regeneration of power constantly. Scorpio. Is, is, is this zero, is this Pluto. So it's, it's all about, um, power and revolution and, um. Phoenixy. And death. Yes, exactly. It's huge on rebirth. Um, and it's just, it's a vibe. And why do you love that? Uh, I don't have an answer for that necessarily. Is it is that <laughs> go just, to? I just love it. Cool. <laughs> it fills me with glee. I do believe you texted me at one point. There's just there's some type of thing for Scorpios that mm. you have. Would yes. you agree with that? Yes. Something going on there. Sure. Uh, I think Scorpios oh. get a bad rap. Anyways, go on. I agree. I also think Gemini's get a really bad rap. Yes. I have a lot to say about Gemini's, probably because I'm a Gemini rising. But what were you just saying about Scorpio? Eh. You said, I texted you something. I have a big love for Scorpio. I've got something going on about Scorpio. Oh, but you have a Scorpio placement as well, right? Isn't it your mid-heaven? Yes. Okay. So my Jupiter is in Scorpio. Okay. Oh, Jupiter. My okay, sweet so... forehead kiss. Yep. Is in Scorpio. As well as my oh. midheaven. Which is, here's me starting the official petition to make it the big four instead of the big three. To I include think everyone. Midheaven. Yes. So something we didn't mention is that beyond planets, there are also these points in the sky. How would you describe midheaven, north node? Um, I have a looser understanding of how exactly the nodes work. Um, you mean literally? Yes. Like what we point what to we in point the sky. To. Yeah. Um, but the midheaven, so your, your rising sign, your ascendant is what is on the cusp of the first house. So right as you enter it, here it is on the horizon. Yep. Whereas your midheaven um, is on the cusp of the 10th house. So right as you enter it, which I believe... I don't think it, I don't think it points you straight up. I don't know. And when you break it into degrees, I don't, it gets looser for me. Sure. Um, but it's on the cusp of your 10th house. Mm -hmm. Um, and if your rising sign, your ascendant is how others perceive you, your midheaven is how you want to be perceived. So painful. So it's, <laughs> it's something that you sort of grow into. Yeah. Um, which is why it's on the cusp of the 10th house, which is all about, you know, um, work and career and, you know, the, the moving forward things. So I was just getting interviewed for that thing that I yes, was talking the about. Enneagram the, thing. the Enneagram thing. Um, and part of it was that Sarah Jane Case sent me her chart, which I don't know what it is about special access mm -hmm. to things, but I felt very, very Ooh. cool having, having her chart, you know? Yes. Anyway, that's not my point. My point was that her situation is kind of interesting because, so she's an Aquarius, Leo moon. I hope I get this right. I think Pisces rising. Okay. And then she has a Taurus north node, which means she has a Scorpio south node. Okay, yeah. So the way that I interpret nodes, there's, mm -hmm. there's sort of the ancient understanding and then the modern mm -hmm. ancient would say that you've got the hungry head of the dragon mm -hmm. for your mm -hmm. north node so what your insatiable mm -hmm. appetite is for yes and then i actually kind of know less about the tail the south node part because i focus so much on north node but anyway modern astrology would say that north node is is karmically where you're headed yes so did I, I was, yeah, so I thought it was interesting because if you listen to her podcast, like, especially in her younger years, she was very much Jupiter mm -hmm. ruled and like expressive in a way of yeah. traveling, going everywhere all at once. And then I've listened to her for a really long time. And then through the years, 
it's become much more torn. You hear a lot about her home mm-hmm. and the beautification of her home. Yeah. And the systems, I think that's a little Aquarius, but the systems that make it run well. Right. But there's a conflict there that she brings up a lot. And mm-hmm. I felt that that of, of wanting to explore and travel and beyond that, maybe be seen as mm-hmm. someone who does those things. Right. Com- like sort of in conflict with where she's headed, which is this stable, right, rooted, pre- lovely, lovely presence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just thought it was kind of an interesting anecdote. Yeah. That I liked. Absolutely. That I didn't super get to talk about on the podcast, so thought I'd mention it here. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to part one of Astrology 101 with myself and my good friend, Carly Belcher. Tune in Friday for part two and next week for part three. All right. Bye. Oh, also, I almost forgot. If this podcast meant anything to you, it would mean so much to me if you would leave me five stars and share this episode with someone who would enjoy it, who would gain something from it. I would be so appreciative. Okay, that's all. All for now. Bye, guys. Bye.